Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. We're just going to we start this off with let's let's just start with the serenity prayer. Yeah? So we have something we all we all know. So a, um, and so God grant God. Me to accept the things accept the things that I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom. wisdom Very good. I, your your will not mine be done today. Yeah, and um. What I'm going to do is I'll, I'll ask um, Joel, you've got a copy of the white book there, and uh, would you mind reading the uh, essay Purpose, please? Uh, my name's Joel. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Joel. The essay Purpose. Sexholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allowed with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy. Neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Thank you very much. All right. Does, do I see somebody else putting up their hand that they have the book? Yeah, please. Great. Okay. Can I ask you, would you mind reading the part of the book, which is, what is the sexaholic? What is sexual sobriety, please? And I can't see your name. Hello? Maybe I misunderstood. Person putting the headphones into his ear. You do have the book? Hi, um, this is Sai. I don't have the book. I just joined it. All right, okay. Sorry, sorry. My, my mistake. All right, Joel, back to you again. Would you mind reading out that part for us as well, please? And I'm going to put off my camera for a minute, but I'm still here with you, okay? I just have to do something. Hi, this is Jacob. I can read that. Jacob, great. Lovely. Um. I just have to pull it up. I have it on my phone. Um, one second. What is sex talk? What is sexual sobriety? We can only speak for ourselves. The specialized nature of sexologists um, can be best understood in what we call sexologists. The sexologist is taking himself or herself at all context of what is right or wrong. He or she has lost control, no longer has the power of choice. It is not free to stop. Lust has become an addiction. A situation is like that of the alcoholic. 
who can no longer tolerate alcohol and must stop drinking altogether, but is hooked and cannot stop. So does the sexaholic or sex drunk who can no longer tolerate lust, but cannot stop. Thus, for the sexaholic, any form of self with oneself with, or with partner other than spouse is progressively addictive and destructive. We can also see that lust is the driving force behind a sexual acting out, and true sobriety includes progressive victory over lust. These conclusions were forced upon us in the crucible of our experiences in recovery. We have no other options. But we have found that the fact that the acceptance of these facts is the key to a happy and joyous freedom we could otherwise never know. This will and should discourage many inquirers who admit sexual obsession or compulsion, but who want to sim- control it and enjoy- simply want to control and enjoy it, much as the alcoholic would like to control and enjoy drinking. Until we have been driven to the point of despair, driven to the point of despair, until we really want to stop but could not, we do not give ourselves to this program of recovery. Sex Alcanomous Anonymous is for the those who have no other options but stop and their own enlightened self-interest must tell them this. Just a note, if you're unmuted, it, it kind of uh, hurts the audio a little bit. If Check, just make sure if you're not going to speak that you mute a little bit. Thanks. Okay, great stuff. Um, and I was the person unmuted there, so I may be the responsible. Um, okay, and I think what we do now is this is a, a beginner's meeting, and so I'd like anybody who's got the book with you turn to page sixty-three, getting started, which is they talk about step zero, and I'm not going to read it all out, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to just sort of jump quickly through this step zero, you know. Um, Well, no, maybe I won't. <laughs> maybe we'll, maybe we maybe we'll read it. So, if we could get started, I'll start off and I read. You know, the first the first um, section, step zero, and then um, maybe whoever has a book can read the next part after that, and we we'll just go through this. It, it won't take too long. Huh? So, getting started, step zero. There is an unwritten step underlying all twelve. Call it step zero. We participated in the fellowship of the program. No one seems to be able to stay sober and progress in recovery without it, though some try. For most of us, without associating in some way with other recovering individuals, there is no lasting sobriety and none of the fringe benefits of recovery, growth, freedom and joy. This holds true even for loners, those without groups. We don't try to explain this. It is simply a fact. We begin by meeting regularly with other members. If there is no group where we live, we start one ourselves, even if it is a meeting with only one other member. Fellowship is that crucial to our recovery. We can't do it alone. We pray to be led to another sexaholic who will want to hear our story. Then we follow all leads that come to our attention. We contact the SA Central Office for any contacts there may be in our area and ask for materials and know-how. Many groups have started in just such a manner. Long distances may separate members at first. Some travel more than 100 miles to meet with others. Commit yourself to your group, whether it's being formed or is operating but still small. Attend every meeting on time. This ensures maximum benefit to you and the group, which cannot have continuity without regular participants. The measure of such commitment will be the measure of your recovery. 
We also use telephone meetings with two or more members using a three-way calling feature available in many cities. Some members subscribe to discount long-distance phone service for considerable savings. Speaker phones enable a loner to sit in remotely. We augment this by letter writing and attending other types of 12-step meetings, many of which are open to the public. Much benefit can be gained there in learning how to apply the steps in one's life and in seeing how meetings are run. We cannot put this strongly enough. Experience has shown us that we must be part of others or we cannot maintain effective surrender. See ourselves rightly or work the steps. Without regular participation in the fellowship, there seems to be no recovery. Would somebody like to pick up there? We stop. Page 64. Uh, my name's John, I'm a sexaholic. Hey, John. We stop. We stop practicing our compulsion in all its forms. We can't be sober in one area while acting out in another. There can be no relief from the obsession of lust while still practicing the acts of lust in any form. I can be masturbating to the image of a blank wall and I'm still resorting to my drug. We stop feeding lust. We get rid of all the materials and other triggers under our control. We stop feeding lust through the eyes, the fantasy, and the memory. We stop relishing the language of lust, resentment, and rage. We stop living only and always inside our own heads. One of the fringe benefits of going to a lot of meetings is that it gets us out of ourselves. As we become aware of our addictions that are part of our lives, we pray for willingness to surrender each one. There can be no true recovery from addiction if we allow it to persist in any area, whether in our thinking or in our acting out. What we are really saying when we start meeting with others is, I have to stop, please help me. But we need some demonstration of trust and hearing the stories of other members, we begin to, get, to let our guard down. Before we know it, we've crossed that line of doubt, mistrust and fear and have put down our drug. The program doesn't tell us how to stop. We had done that a thousand and one times. It shows us how to keep from starting again. We had it backwards. Before, we always wanted the therapist, spouse or God to do the stopping for us to fix us now we stop and then in our surrender the power of god becomes effective in us thanks joe jacob can you take up there hey so i actually just had a uh a script with those you know like the introductions but okay. i need to go and find my book no that's 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 all right that's all right um uh yeah, the next part was we get involved. But do we have, is Mohan there? Yeah. I didn't, I can get a book. I'll just get the book right now. Give me a minute. Come on, come on. Just give me a minute. So Jacob, if you can look on through there, dig up that part of it, we've got, we're going to read two more parts. This part, we get involved, and then the first text, test surrender, yeah? Oh, what's the page? Page 65. Okay. Uh, we get involved. Okay. My name is Sai. I'm a sexaholic. I'm from India. Right. Um, yeah. Page 65. 
Sorry, just a minute. Can you can you just hold your your microphone just a little bit further away from your mouth, um, because we're getting so yeah, okay. And okay, then, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we discovered that the way to feel better is not only going to meetings, but taking the risk of self disclosure. Inside my head, those those problems seemed so hopeless. Just bring them out into the light, cut them down to size. We followed the suggestion of getting involved in the mechanics of meetings. helping set up cleaning up maintaining the literature and being there for newcomers involvement made us feel we were part of we were a, a part of quite a different quite a difference from that empty lifeless feeling of being apart from doing things anything got me out of myself and into the real world it was from such simple beginnings that we could later feel more comfortable in meeting other members one to one and going out after meetings we began the painful but welcome process of growing up by coming out of ourselves the fellowship of society is where the action is where the magic is where the feeling of identification is where the real connection is we received or asked for the phone number of one of our mem- of one or more members we would call or contact regularly this seems strange and unnatural to many of us until we discovered that that was how many others got help to stay sober at first suddenly i was worthwhile as sick as i was what dignity there is in that total acceptance should i continue when should i continue think brandon went to sleep hi brandon can't hear you i think this your audio is off maybe Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting that I'm muted. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just prattling away here. I but I had not gone to sleep, though I often do. Okay. I am I'm well reputed to doing so. Um. So yes, can somebody read the next part? The first test: surrender. I can do that. Remind. What page are we on? Um, page six. Sorry. What was that? Sixty-six. Okay. And which par uh which paragraph? First test surrender. Just that whole section. Um 66. Joining a group doesn't automatically make the problem vanish. No, there we go. Joining a group doesn't automatically make the problem vanish. Most of us have tried stopping countless times. problem was we couldn't stay stop and never surrendered so the first time the craving hit again when we get the urge for a fix we give it up and even though it feels just uh feels like we'll die without it and at times in our new frame of mind the craving may seem stronger than ever but we don't fight it uh like we used to that was a losing battle giving it more strength to fight back neither do we feed it or give it give into it we so sur- we surrender we win by giving up each time coming off our habit can be confusing 
my head turns automatically. I can't, I can't help feeding it, but I don't have a choice. I don't have any choice. But we always have, we always fed our habit. We simply weren't aware of it. So whenever this happens, we simply acknowledge our powerlessness. Instead of either fighting or indulging, we surrender. We pick up the phone, we ask for help, go to a meeting. Even admit we may not fully want victory over lust. Most of us don't have pure motives in wanting to get sober. Recovery is a slow process. The first time we walk through the stress of withdrawal without resorting to the drug, we discover that we don't die without the fix. Instead, we feel better, stronger, and maybe there's hope. We talk about the temptation in a phone call or to the next meeting and to all, and tell all. Telling the deep truth and attitude of surrender helps break the power of memory of the incident holds over us. And if we're hit with lust again, we keep coming back and we talk and keep talking about, and talking about talking it out, regardless of how shameful and defeated we feel. We've all been here. We know how it feels. We also know the release and joy that surrender brings as we come back into the light. Usually we find that our initial surrender was incomplete and we begin to see some loose ends. We discover some rain checks secretly. Uh, we discover some rain checks secretly stashed against future needs like alcoholics hiding their bottles. It's her key. I can't throw that away. I'll keep his phone number and maybe I'll help him sometime. I'll get rid of that magazine later of the magazines later In recovery. We simply throw the stuff away. No one has to tell us. We just know we always knew we just never had the power to let go. Hmm. No, as I look at it, <laughs> I think the next place really deserves just to, I'm just going to do the first part of the next verse. It's the next test and the next sooner or later, the urge strikes again, sometimes out of nowhere, like a tidal wave crashing over us. Wham! Maybe it's the first time we feel rejected. Any of countless triggers can do it. It really doesn't matter what they are. We all have them. It's too overpowering. No one will know the difference. I look never killed anyone. Everyone's doing it. I never thought I'd hear from him again. Now what do I do? Often it begins in the privacy of our most innermost thoughts. When we're alone, when we're living inside our head and the emotions we could never face overwhelm us. So what do we do? Naturally, we want to reach for the drug again. That's what we programmed ourselves to do. Instead, we surrender. Again, just like the first time. And the cry for help goes up, I'm powerless, please help me. And we take the action of getting out of ourselves and making contact with another member as soon as possible. The closer to the heat of the action, the better. We use the phone. We make the call. Not because we want to, because we don't want to. We call because we know we have to. Our survival instinct comes to life. And we go to a meeting as soon as possible. When we first come into the program, this cry for help is in effect a shotgun working of steps one, two, and three. Surrender of whatever sort. Of whatever sort. That's all it takes, and not one of us does it with all the right motives. When the craving hits again, we repeat the surrender at the very point of our terror in the pit of our hell, for that's where the admission of powerlessness really works, when we're in the raw heat of temptation and craving. Again, it's the change of attitude that brings relief. Instead of, I've got to have it or I'll die, 
our attitude begins, becomes, I give up, I'm willing not to have it, even if I do die. And we don't die. We get a reprieve. Again, for seconds, minutes, hours, perhaps even days and weeks, the tidal wave is spent, the craving passes, and we're okay. We're learning the truth of the maxim, of the program maxim, one day at a time. But there will be another wave behind it, and sooner or later we get hit again. This may knock us off balance. Why do I always feel recovered after each bout and then get caught off guard by the next one? Often seeing we've stopped acting out our habit for a time, we feel we're free of it forever. This may be just the time it strikes again. So the realization slowly dawns that we may always be subject to temptation and powerlessness over lust. We come to see that it's all right to be tempted and feel absolutely powerless over it as long as we can get the power to overcome. The fear of our vulnerability gradually diminishes as we stay sober and work the steps. We can look forward to the time when the obsession, not the temptations, will be gone. We begin to see that there's no power over the craving in advance. We have to work this as it happens each time. Therefore, each temptation, every time we want to give in to lust or any other negative emotion, is a gift towards recovery, healing and freedom. Another opportunity to change our attitude and find union with God. We didn't get here in a day. It took practice to burn the addictive process into our being. It takes practice to make our true connection. You know, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for this connection, this connection with this higher power. And the interesting thing there is, you know, and Harvey, who's over going to be talking on the other channel later today, you know, he's a great man for saying, you know, the only time you can actually get victory over lust is in the middle of your temptation. No, it's then. It's when you're feeling the temptation. It's when it's like, oh, man, I got to have this. What am I going to do? That's when we can get victory over it. That's when I surrender it. You know, it's not like sort of, you know, I come in here and I say, oh, I've surrendered my lust. I'm not going to do it. No, because I walk around the corner and she appears out of nowhere, out of nowhere, you know. And you got five years sobriety and suddenly she's standing there in front of you and she's looking in your direction and you're going to pieces. You haven't even talked to her. You know, she was just getting on the bus or getting off the bus as it happened to me five years sober. She was getting off the bus and she turned around and she looked back and I thought, man, she's from Latin America, Latina. And that's my, that's my drug of choice, you know? And it's just like, wow. She turned back a second time and looked a second time. And I was, I was drunk. I was drunk. I'd been on the bus. Two minutes earlier, I was perfect. And now here I am, I'm a reeling drunk. And I had to literally almost drag myself across the road to get away, you know, and then drag myself to a meeting. Because, you know, it can happen in this split, split second. And it could happen to me walking out here. I live in a place where there's nobody around. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But she might just turn up. So... You know, this part is, and for people who are in early sobriety, you think, oh, man, it's, you know, like, so all those guys, it's okay for them. You know, they'd say, no problem. They've been sober for years. You know, they, you know, they they probably never really, really had lust like I have, you know. And anyway, they look old, you know, they probably were, they're, they're past it. You know what I mean? But I'll tell you, it's, you know, this here is, 
you know, it's the issue of temptation. And, and, and what we do is, it's like, you know, I don't know how many of us smoke cigarettes, but I used to smoke cigarettes. And, and they're easy to start. And they're really difficult to stop. They're really difficult to stop. And you get this sensation when you don't have one. It's like, oh, you know, I'm going to like, so it's just, I feel so bad. I won't feel good again if I, until I have one. And it's a lie because, you know, if I can see it out for a couple of minutes, the actual craving sensation will go away and I'll be okay, you know. And the same as it is with lust, you know. I think I'm going to go mad if I don't act out, if I don't act out with myself or I don't, you know, do these things. And the thing about it is this here's the big surprise to me. Not having lost, not having had sex now for over 10 years. It didn't kill me. Now, if you're in early sobriety, you don't want to hear that. You really don't want to hear that. You know, the last thing you want to hear is, you know, I remember, remember when I was in early sobriety and there was a fellow there and he told me he's had three years of sobriety, you know, and he wasn't married. And I thought, well, that's three years without sex. I said, <laughs> you know, that is not my plan. That is not my plan. My plan is, you know, six months, do the program. I know the 12 steps work because I've got an Alcoholics Anonymous. Six months, I'm going to be sober and I'm going to be having great sex with the mother of my son and like everything's going to be great. Now, that was 14 years ago. Huh? <laughs> that hasn't actually worked out, you know. But, but what has worked out is what I found when I did start to work the program is I have found that it didn't kill me. And not only that, It's not actually necessary for me to feel a complete life. More important to me would be a meaningful relationship than sex. You say, well, you know, Brendan, you're, you're now 60. You know what? Hey, I ain't past it at all. The story is I've come to a place of such peace and enjoyment of life and freedom that I know giving in to the temptation is only just going to cause me pain. It's going to cause me grief. It'd be like picking up a packet of cigarettes again and saying, I just have one. It was very hard to give them up. You know, it's very easy to get started again. And just one is not the problem. It's the millions that come afterwards, you know? And, uh, you know, if I could do ever, if I could ever do anything just once, uh, it, it, it would be amazing. You know? So now, this is a floating session. Um, is Joel there? Right. Uh, so, Brendan, ask, sorry, I was... Would you give us like sort of, you know, 10 to 15 minutes on your experience, strength and hope with like sort of recovery and, you know, the dealing with like coming in and, 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 and working the program? Huh? Thank you, Brendan. Um, I will... I will try. Um, if I have to be totally honest right now, um, I don't feel like I'm, I'm qualified to be sharing. Although I've been in, in the program for a long time, I, I joined the program in 2009. Um, I don't have much sobriety to show for it. Um, and often I feel like an imposter. Um, but at the same time, I know that this is my only hope. Um, Something inside me tells me that that SA is the only thing that's going to save me. So I'm still hanging on. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very grateful for the for for this program. Um, 
I remember, I remember the, the, the day when I realized that something, uh, I was at a robot and I was going to act out driving in my car and I said, I don't actually want to do this. And suddenly I just felt uh, my car was driving towards where I was going to be acting out. And at that instant, I knew that um, there was something greater than me driving me to this. Anyway, five, you know, I, I then went and, and, and you know, uh, training events happened. And five days later, I was at a meeting where this man had come over from America um, to start up a, a group that ended up being, I think, less than five kilometers from where I lived and was the only group, SA group in, in I'd say, sub-Saharan Africa at the time, uh, or definitely in South Africa. Um, I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, so since 2009, I've, I've, I've been in the program and I've worked with, with, many, with many members, um, with many sponsors, rather. Um, and it's... I, I, to, to be honest, I don't know. I don't know what it is because I know when I work the program with a sponsor and I'm, I'm, I'm in the fellowship... Um, it works. I know it works and I stay sober and, and my life changes like that in an instant. Um, somewhere along the line, something happens where, where, where I just, um, little, little cracks start appearing in my program and they're so subtle. I, I sometimes don't even recognize them, but maybe it's, it's an incomplete surrender. Um, and then it ends up with, with, with memory relapsing again. Um, I don't know how I get to that point. Um, but I believe there's, there's still hope. Um, you know, just trying to share a little bit more on, on the actual topic. Um, you know, we, 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 you know, step zero, um, basically getting started. We, we participate in the fellowship and we join the fellowship. Um, you know, having, having come in and out of when I say the fellowship, you know, being in working the program, being sober with the rest of the group. Um, I feel like I'm part of the fellowship. Um, and then there's parts when I relapse and, and I think, okay, I'm going to, to still work the program. I know what to do. I've got a very good knowledge of, 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 of the program. So I'm just going to start again, but I'm not going to be honest with the group. Um, but I'm going to do everything that I was doing before and it's just never worked. Um, and as much as I tried to force it, I just, I just couldn't, couldn't connect with, with God who, who, who's kept me sober in the past. Um, no matter how hard I tried. Um, and I've realized definitely, you know, I, I cannot connect to, to that power without connecting to others. Um, and, and part of that connecting to others is definitely, well, for one, as is mentioned that, you know, I, I have to be honest, which I, I really struggle with because, I suppose it's ego, you know. I think I've, I've here in the small little program and the small little fellowship we've got in South Africa, you know, I think that I should be the one who's, who's sober the longest. I, you know, I've been in the program for the longest yet in our small little group of consistent, you know, fellows, I've got the least sobriety. Um, so it's gut-wrenching for me to come back every time and say, okay, guys, I've, I've relapsed. Um, I'm starting again. So, so, you know, without that honesty, the program just doesn't take in me. Um, secondly, I also have tried to, to just come to meetings and then basically that's the only interaction I'll have apart from with my sponsor, but you know, just come to meetings 
and 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 leave. Um, and that that for me has never worked either. Um, I don't know how it happened. Obviously, you know, people showed me. People have, have other members have shown me so they've spent so much time with me that I'm very grateful for, and 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 show me how they work their programs. And somewhere along the line, it just happened where another member and my and I just started phoning each other on a daily basis, and um, yeah, a relationship formed there. And it's just very easy for us now to phone each other. Um, and it's it's not a it's not a sponsor sponsor relationship. It's just another fellow where although he's got um, I think he works a good program where he's got a good sobriety that that I like. Um, we we just share our, you know our top three our, our our fears for the day, resentments for the day, and any lust for the day. And there's no advice. Sometimes the calls as short as two minutes, three minutes, never really longer than about seven minutes. I'd say. Um, but but for me, that's that that's the being involved in the fellowship. Um, and the other part is recently uh, another sort of consistent member that's joined our group. We live together, and the one meeting a week is is about a half an hour drive away. We we've we've we basically do lift clubs, and that's that to me um, has made it a lot easier to 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 be involved in the fellowship by us. Just one one week, I go and pick him up, and we go together, and then the next week, he comes and, and picks me up, and we go together. And then we get to talk mostly recovery on the way there, but we also get to know each other a little bit better. Um, and it just it, it, it makes it a bit more personal um, being in the fellowship. Um, yeah, you know, I, although we've got a very small fellowship that's geographically, I think, quite far away from everyone else, you know, the UK, the US, and, and probably um, uh, um, you know, Australia, um, I've found it very easy to be sponsored by by people who who, who are overseas. And that's never been a, a problem for me. Initially, I thought that would never work, um, but it's been very simple with with WhatsApp calls. With um, um, you know, the ease for me, it's 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 never been a problem for me. It's obviously it's been a stage where we are just sort of I don't know. I, I just cracks up in my in my in my work and and I fall off the program. Um. Recently, we've just started trying to do a little bit of, of um, H&R, which we, and, and previously, we've always sort of done it separately, I think. Um, whereas recently, we've just started trying to do it together, um, where we planned something together, and and we met together, and we, we, we that, that also felt something different that I hadn't felt before. So uh, there's definitely some value there that I hope we can we can continue in the in the future, but also it's quite hard to do service like that. You know, as it says, everything starts with with sobriety, and if I don't have sobriety, it's it's uh, you know that that type of stuff um, doesn't really work. But I, I do feel that it does it does connect us a, a bit more, trying to plan and do stuff together. Um, yeah, apart from that, I'm, I'm not quite sure where else to share. I don't know if you got anything from that. Um, if there's anything else you'd like to direct me into sharing, if there's any questions you've got, I'm not sure. Um, sorry, I, I, I wasn't quite sure what you were expecting from me or, or what, what you, you wanted, but um, hopefully it helped in any way. Thanks, Joel. Joel, no, no, that was, that was great. And it's like sort of, you know, and on and, and very short notice, like only this morning, <laughs> as to sort of to sit in. So, you know, and that's and, and that's great because there's no preparation there. It's just this is the reality. You know, this is the reality. Last time I lost my sobriety was, um, you know, I had five months sober. And uh, 
It wasn't because I, you know, I, I started, I, I got into romantic fantasy and I let it go on my head for like a little while. And then I went and I visited some friends of mine and they were sitting down, you know, and they're, they're a couple and I started to get self-pity, you know, where's my relationship? You know, I've been around for a while. Why haven't I got a relationship? And then I white knuckled it for a while. And then I ended up like sort of touching myself and I, and I stopped immediately and, and contacted my sponsor the following day. And he said, well, I would reset my, reset my sobriety days. And I thought, oh, no, like, why didn't I go out for a few days or just carry on and I sort of go crazy, you know, and then come in. I'm going to lose five months sobriety because, you know, I just was, I was very, very angry. And then I realized something which, was, which has become really important to me. I realized it's not whether I've acted out with myself or not. That's not the issue. It's not whether I've masturbated or I've gone off and I've had sex with somebody. It's what's going on in my head. It's what's going on in my head. You know, in the earlier, the meeting just before this, we were talking about how the root of our problem is selfishness, self-centeredness. And where is that going on? It's going on in my head. And if I'm into this, you know, if I'm lusting in my head, I'm working images, I'm, 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 I'm basically taking from the world and I've come up with all these images and I'm acting out in my head. That's where I've got to get clear. I've got to get clear in there. As long as I'm playing around with lust, as long as I'm looking around, as long as I'm drinking in images and allowing them to sort of come in and I'm, I'm in that process of, you know, when is it going to happen for me? You know, I'm not free of lust. So I'm going to act out because lust is like, you know, for an alcoholic, alcoholic, an alcoholic takes a drink of alcohol and there is a chemical change. And that chemical change for the person brings on the craving. So I'm an alcoholic as well as a sexaholic. If I take any drop of alcohol at all, I'll be gone. Last time I did it, I had three and a half years without having a drink. I took a drink one night and that was it. You know, within four months, I was like divorced. Everything was down the toilet. It was, it was a disaster. And I was out for five years. It got really, really bad. In this program, my drink is lust. And if I'm going around and I'm looking around and I'm seeing people, you know, when I'm traveling around, like take a little look at her and a little look at her, a little look at her, you know, and it might be over the days or I'm watching the TV all the time and I'm, this is, I'm taking, you know, it's like I'm dropping a bit of lust all the time into the glass. I'm saying, well, it's okay, it's just a little look, but I don't know how big the glass is and I don't know when it's going to overflow. So I don't know where that, look is going to come from, like I was saying earlier on, you know, that look of that girl who got off the bus and I took a look at her and bang, I was gone. I was gone in that instant, that instant, you know? So how do I get to having zero tolerance with romantic fantasy, self-pity <laughs> and looking around, you know? No. Because when I start to look at it and accept that, I, that I'm going to have to be really, really, and, you know, I, the thing I get from sponsees all the time is, well, I'm not going to do that. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not going to go around with my head down looking at the ground. I walked around Tokyo, around Japan for three years looking at the ground. Because if I looked up, there was just millions of women everywhere. I was going to go crazy. <laughs> you know? So it's like, you know, people say, oh, I'm not going to do that. I want to be able to, you know, I came in here to be able to live a normal life. Well, great, welcome, and we'll, we'll give you a normal life. We'll give you a normal life, but you can't, That you, we're not the same as other people. We have an addiction. We have an allergy to lust. 
We don't react the same way, no? So we can't, we can't expect that we come in here, do a little bit of a training program, and then I can go back out there and I can do, you know, and I can be around and do it like everybody else. No, I'm going to come in here to learn what I have to do to protect me from my addiction, you know, to get me into a relationship with a higher power that would take me away the obsession, and then I'm going to be able to live a pretty normal life, you know, but I've got to continue to, to practice with the tools. I'm sorry, I'm taking off there again, but it's a... Uh, um, is Mohan around there somewhere? He was going to talk to us, but he was having some trouble with his sound. Hi, Brendan, this is Sai. Uh, Mohan has some internet issue, so he asked oh. me to step in for him. Great, Sai. That's, I was hoping that you, I was going to ask him, and then I was going to shoot over to you. So, Sai, would you like to give us 10 or 15 minutes on, you know, um, you know, get into the program, coming in, and, 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 and you know, your experience, strength, and hope? Huh? Yeah. Uh, my name is Sai. I'm a sexaholic and uh, very grateful uh, for the essay and uh, very thankful. I mean, the previous member, Joe, shared and uh, so happy. Just, just like what we read, you know, um, uh, just like what we read, you know, the, the other person starts to be vulnerable. And that's when I feel that it's safe enough to back in times. Uh, so... For me, it was, uh, you know, my, my mind was mainly, I think it's something called addictive personality. Sorry, sir. I was just going to ask you to hold the, you know, the, the microphone still um, and, and, and not to flip it back and forward because it, it, it sounds going in and out from you there. Thanks. So, uh, you can hear me now, right? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, now we can hear you good, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it fe- always felt like, uh, you know, like life was black and white without lust. Like, uh, there's just no meaning in anything. And I think by the time I was in fifth grade, I had already figured out everything in life that I'm just going to grow old, get married, uh, earn money, and then die. So I thought there's no meaning in life and uh, not- nothing gave me joy, you know. School work. The only reason why I worked hard in school was uh, to get good grades and impress some girl. And um, by the time I was in fifth grade, I began, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, kiss my own brother. I'm uh, not gay, but I began to try to kiss my own brother just to see what it felt like to kiss someone else. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was addicted right from the earliest time. I mean, even before I was a teenager, I was already a sexaholic, I guess. And um, Sorry. Yeah. So um, the moment I discovered pornography back in 2008, uh, I immediately got addicted to pornogra- uh, masturbation and pornography. And uh, initially, I felt that you know it's free of cost. Everyone's watching it. What's the problem? But uh, pretty soon, it began to affect my studies. I began to fail exams, and uh, I knew I had a problem back in 2014 after failing a lot of exams and uh, I've spent a whole year sitting at home and acting out basically. And that is when I felt this, I should do something about it. And uh, within a span of maybe uh, two months, I tried everything. I tried, you know, therapist, motivation, meditation, getting a girlfriend, exercise, you name it. I tried everything. And uh, I remember at around five o'clock in the morning after acting out the whole night and, that I, until then, I was just Googling stuff like, is masturbation wrong? 
is watching pornography wrong but in the, in the google always said that you know there's there's no problem with masturbation there's no problem with pornography go ahead so i thought you know the internet says that uh, acting out is good so what's let me go ahead with it but uh, after a lot of acting out i finally started to type stuff like how do i stop and uh, somewhere deep in the internet pages i found essay and uh, since then life has never been the same because uh, i mean the first time i spoke to another essay member um, so there was no essay in india when i started 2014 and uh, so i spoke to another member from usa and uh, he was uh, sharing about uh, his life and he had been through a lot he had been through divorce jail diseases etc so i thought that you know he's a real sexaholic he needs help and uh, besides he's old he's he's probably 55 years old so i thought at that age anyone can get sober and i'm still you know i was not even 20 at that time so i thought uh, you know it's too too you know uh, i can't just stay sober it's it's impossible to stay sober at this age because the hormones are too strong or whatever so i thought uh, let me act out for 30 years and then at the age of 55 i'll you know work the steps and become an old timer but uh, now within uh, just a few months uh, life got so bad i mean uh, i began to earn some money and the moment i got money i you know went to the next level i thought you know the best use the best way i can use this money is to act out with prostitutes and i started to sleep with female prostitutes and uh, after spending all of that i needed to save money and you know and still act out so i started to sleep with other men and transgenders it was just you know just kept rationalizing everything initially i thought uh, uh, you know as long as they look like women it's fine they don't really have to be women and then i thought as long as they're human beings they're fine you know i just kept rationalizing it at every every stage to act out and i put myself at risk of diseases death several times i was attacked by some men and i had to beg and fight and run from that place and um, you know there were criminals waiting outside noting down my vehicle numbers nothing really stopped me and uh, after while all this was happening uh, i was you know in touch with some old timers from essay and um, you know it it was um, uh, no effort at step work um, and at this time i had started to go to aa meetings and aa meetings in my city there was no mention of step work in fact i saw an aa old timer i mean who was sober in aa for 22 years and he hadn't worked the steps so i thought the step work is completely optional and only to do it when you're free or bored or something so i completely avoided the steps and uh, at that point uh, you know i started to see that i need another sexaholic i need an, uh, these meetings and uh, i'm very grateful to this thing called whatsapp it's just it's just a messaging application but apparently the someone start uh, people tried to start essay in india many times i think 3 to 4 times but it failed because uh, there was no way to connect everyone and uh, nobody was staying sober and quickly disintegrated and uh, so this time we had whatsapp so currently there are about 75 sa members all over india and uh, you know maybe just one or two are sober but uh, you know hope it, i think it just it takes a lot more time like uh, roy k said that uh, the, the payoff of lust is a lot it's so easy to relapse and um, yeah so we started meetings back in 2014 and at that time uh, you know it was not um you know uh, i quickly started i mean I, for many years i had this lot of pride that i started the meetings i brought in the people it's me i am the thing but then i uh, 
over the years what i've seen is that every time i make an effort to bring in more sexaholics to you know to spread the message about uh, to about essay nothing happens but when i get out of the way when i ask god uh, to you know to tell me what to do and try to uh, you know t- like ask god to bring in sexaholics uh, suddenly we start getting calls from newcomers and in fact this one event where um, there's an event where i could talk about it and um, yeah and i i based on uh, somehow i just had the sense to pray and uh, i just prayed about it and i just uh, felt that you know the right the right thing to do uh, just one minute yeah so um at that point uh, yeah so i decided uh, after praying I, i just felt that i should go i should just show up whether i feel like it or not and um, so at that point uh, you know i just shared and uh, found about uh, you know three sexaholics in that event and three desperate sexaholics uh, you know who were you know, were were like a score of you know 18 out of 20 on that test yourself so and since then i've been calling them every day and uh, you know so i in in the meantime i had worked the steps uh, twice you know but um, and I, i still couldn't stay sober so i was so finally it's god's fault god doesn't want me to stay sober god made me a sexaholic and uh, god wants me to suffer so for a long time i was angry at god but uh, i started to see that uh, you know it's i was writing the steps i was not working the steps and i was not doing it consistently um um yeah so i was not doing it consistently in fact even now uh, when uh, just now when brendan was sharing i had a thought about uh, uh, you know romance some romantic fantasy and uh, i think i read somewhere in the white book or i think even my sponsor told me that i had to give up even romance and fantasy and passion it's all a part of my lust and i thought you know if i remove even that what's the point of living i would rather die because okay pornography acting out it makes sense but romance and passion i thought that is a good thing but um, you know that was my drug all along even even, be, even before i have found pornography it was romance and passion i was addicted to romance and passion so it's a part of my lust and um, so yeah um, when brendan when brendan was sharing i had a, a quick thought i thought i'll just share something and uh, you know uh, just go online act out uh, was making a plan but uh, you know just somehow i just this white book was right there in front of me and i just said you know we we get involved doing anything uh, doing things anything got me out of myself and into the real world so yeah very grateful for this call and uh, yeah in the future so i'm um, so there's a uh, um, mohan lives very near to my house and uh, meeting, making meetings is really tough for us because my i told my parents about sexaholism and i say and it is a very bad idea uh, so now i'm planning to move in with mohan and uh, work the steps together and uh, yeah the measure of my commitment you know when i show up to meetings and try put efforts to make the meeting scope that my recovery improves and i see that now after a lot of suffering and 
that's about it this weekend there is another event where i can go talk about essay and uh, you know it's important for me to pray before i go there pray and ask god whether i should do it or not and uh, because it's not me who brings a sexaholic it's god and it's not a theory it's it's actually real uh, you know when i when god is involved the sexaholic joins in magically and i am involved i just get in the way and uh, it's it's absolutely real so thanks for letting me share and thanks so much sorry thank you so much and 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 Joel and you know i mean great <laughs> and it's, i'm just i i feel really inspired you know 75 people out in in, in india i didn't know there was that i knew there was a few when you there's a few people out there so sort of thing but 75 and that's that's great that's great you know um there's so many people that need this now we've only got 5 minutes left here and i'm sorry because i print on way too long myself but we're going to be here all day long and there'll be some open sessions coming up the next session after this is being chaired by our friends from Poland am i right yeah there we yeah we've got like sort of uh, is it hubert from is hubert there um let me see uh i'm supposed to be coordinating this so i should know okay <laughs> but uh, it's all been coming together bit by bit over the last few days um and let me just see here what's what's coming up next here <clears throat> okay we have coming up after this we have Pavel and Marisha from Poland and they're going to be doing steps 4 and 5 so we've you know we had Indre and the first people with steps 1 to 3 we've gone back a step to step 0 and now we're going to take a look at steps 4 and 5 and you know over the rest of the day hopefully we have it set out so that there's various talks on on the various different steps i want to tell you here you know there's a lot of resources that are available online huh there is um and and if you listen to speaker tapes from uh alcoholics anonymous or various other sources you will you know you're going to listen to people talking about how to get recovery Uh, I've been doing that for years and I listen to Alan on tapes to learn how to put up with people around who I have made sick <laughs> when they don't have programs and <clears throat> you know there's an awful lot to be got out of that so I find that when you listen to tapes you don't have to feel alone and a lot of you are out there you're kind of loners you're in places where there isn't groups or whatever I listen to speaker tapes almost every day um and I live on my own and I live very comfortably on my own um and but my son is arriving now next week and I haven't seen him for a year and a half and that'll be really great but you know there's an awful lot of freedom that's to be got in 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 peace in listening to speaker tapes and not having to feel alone huh there's just tricks we can do now is there anybody who quickly would like to give us a, a a share there on what we've been hearing and anybody maybe to tell what what you're going through in early sobriety Could I introduce our sister from India? Do we have a sister from India there that's in the line? Yeah, this is Shipra from India. Oh, yeah, um well, I mean, it's been almost 6 to 7 months that I've been with SA. And uh, 
every day seems like a revolution because uh, as a first step there has to be an acceptance um i've been away from sex for almost 5 years now because i could see a pattern in my life and i decided for myself that the lucky part was that i could see the pattern but um it took me some time to kind of uh, acknowledge it and then you know uh, moving away from it and uh, definitely there i could understand a lot of emotional upheaval inside and uh, um so i thought it was all about emotions i was not able to handle my emotions very well but uh, when i came in i um actually i was in touch with uh, a i was a friend of a so i had been around a for uh, almost one and a half year now and i thought um i didn't know of essay that there, there was any stream of it uh, a which could relate to these topics um so through a member i first uh, tried going to a psychoanalyst and i worked with him on a smaller issues but when it came to sexuality he just wasn't giving me the right advice so i left him and then i started sharing with the a member who happened to be my friend at that at that time and he said that it seems like there's a problem and uh, why don't you try essay so i was introduced to it i worked tried talking to few people and uh, couldn't connect to few people but then um there was tim from us uh who kind of answered all my questions he was like a good receptionist at a good hotel who kind of introduced um answered all my questions related to morality around it and because through his experience whatever he shared i could see a lot of uh conflicts that could arrive at any point in time so i uh, he kind of uh, did answer a lot of questions and i could keep going back to him and uh, with fresh set of questions and uh, it was very going very smooth with him uh, until he told me that i need to join a women's group um i had um issues about it because i was i am not very you know i believe in one to one thing and if i am comfortable with one person then i should not be like asked to move all of a sudden um so he brought me out of my comfort zone he made me write a brief as the first thing a brief um list of things and uh, i did my so called brief step four with him and then he asked me to share it with another female so that was susan and uh, she is also she made me very comfortable and um then i was asked to join the group and i i mean i'm still struggling with my um, acceptance because like i i i can't call myself addict as yet so i am not able to ask call myself sexual addict or sexaholic uh but um i i i believe in higher power and uh, i had a lot of uh, grievances against god but uh, lately uh, i mean with every experience it's coming around i'm coming around to loving god back and that i've been told that susan said one statement which was crazy she said god is crazy about you and uh, you shouldn't be worrying about anything i mean he's not let you get into 
he's he's say, uh, come i mean you've come here so uh, at a very early stage of your life so i think so uh, he'll take care of you so um but during this entire journey i st- you know i quit the group once i got mad at people for micromanaging my life and uh, i mean don't don't use slangs when you're angry i mean sometimes it just you want to take it all out and i mean i try not to but if i'm using a word why i mean i was like 15 years sober she can't handle one word i mean what kind of severity is that but then you know uh, whenever i'm not able to understand any concept or any you know thing that she says what happens is the neck from the ne- very next day uh it's the even start happening where i understand that concept through more 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 examples so i understood that as your severity time increases you need to really be more watchful of your triggers and you don't know what triggers someone and like luckily i had an a i had an a uh, person who could help me and in india you know it's it is very difficult to be able to talk about these issues and uh, it was very difficult for me to uh, you know uh, keep him around because he's a male and luckily he's from a uh, so he has a lot of service in him and he doesn't looks at but i will not be claiming that i have not had uh, infatuation to him but i worked it worked on it i expressed those things and he uh, i was ashamed but then we worked on it and uh, he said that you know this is something that can happen and so we will have to be watchful uh, he allowed me he gave me 16 hours of straight eight hours of session one day and eight hours of session another day first day was just about me pointing fingers at everyone and um i would very much like carry on with this but really like to and i'm delighted that you're speaking i really wanted to have women i've been working like on this thing and when i saw you there i said that she actually open up you know and it was great and it's great and we're on here for the day i hope you'll have other opportunities and i know suzanne if it was suzanne that you mentioned was it susan or suzanne that did it she's on on, on later on and we've got loads i i created loads of spaces as well for women to speak and to get women on here But thank you so much for sharing. What I to see is I can see the guys from Poland are sitting over there, you know, and they're sort of saying, "When is this going to bring this stuff under control?" You see, like we would take it really relaxed. I would take it relaxed and easy. We've got the time thing. So thanks for letting me speak. <laughs> so thank you very much, and you know, you stay on now because this is going to be an interesting session, and um, and and hopefully you'll come back in. Thank you so much. I was really interested hear you you're saying and I'd love to hear you you know using a few words there along the way like let it all out yeah. <laughs> they 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 try to stop me too at times you know. Um okay. okay. Thank you everybody for that session. Um maybe we should just finish with the serenity prayer and um and and we'll hand it over then to 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 Hubert and and our friends from from Poland. So God God Serenity. serenity to accept the wisdom to know the difference.
difference. <laughs> 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 